appreciate musicians, singers, clappers, everyone. Appreciate you for coming to the house of God. And I really do count it a privilege to preach the gospel. And the fact that you come to church is always a positive as well. So praise God for that. Maybe before we start, like maybe those people on like that side, if you just can like move over a bit this way, because we've got like this gap here. And it's like much easier to preach when you're all like here instead of having to do like the... So like, if you're on that side, if you're able to move over just a little bit, that'll help me a lot. And the Lord will bless you, apparently. That's the, um, that's the, <laughs> thank you for that. Amen. Because everyone in our church likes to sit on the sides. I think they just don't want to look at me or something. But if you come into the middle, it's fantastic. Thanks, guys. Oh, look at this, man. Praise God. It feels good sitting nice and close together, doesn't it? That's cool. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21, starting in verse 15. Story goes, as his um, UCLA football team suffered a, through a poor season in the early 1970s, head coach Peter Rogers came under intense criticism and pressure from the f- press and from the fans. I guess it's like what the, um, the All Blacks are going through at the moment. But um, he said, things got so bad, he remembers with a smile that friends became hard to find. You know, when we're losing, it's hard to find some friends. He said, my dog was my only true friend. Rogers said that year. He said, I told my wife that every man needs at least two good friends. And so she bought me another dog. And so this is a great picture of marriage and, and how you can say, Listen, I need more people, I need more friends, I need, I need some help here. And she buys him another dog. I really like this woman. She's a great, must be a Christian, good, a good sense of humor. But the reason I tell you that story is because just understand this truth. And this is the title of the sermon today. Great people need great people. No one has ever been great by themselves. Great people need great people. And you need people in your life that will get you through. You need people in your life that will strengthen you in times of of battles. There's times where our battles are too much. And we need some strong men and women to get us through. And those those people sitting around you, you to get them through as well. So I'm going to preach a sermon I've entitled, Great People Need Great People, out of 2 Samuel 21 verse 15 to 22. The Bible says, this is David, and on Wednesday we looked at how he got stronger and stronger, but today we're going to look at how he became, when he was weak and what he did. It says, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Uh, then then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, whose weight, uh, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened after that that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And Sibekai, the Hushathite, these names, man, killed Saph. He was one of the sons of the giant. Then again, there was war at God with the Philistines and Elhanan, the son of Jeri or Jari or Ragam, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a beaver's wing. Yet again, there was war at Gath. There was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also was born to the giant. And so, when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Great people need great people. Let's 
let's bow heads and pray before we start. Lord, we're grateful for your word. I thank you for the truths that we had. I thank you for the great men of the Bible, God, that you have showed us and we can learn from their lives, God. And help us to learn this lesson that none of them are great by themselves. Help us not to live life by ourselves. Help us not to try and get through our battles by ourselves, but lean on our brothers. God, help us to have brothers that will be there when we lean on them. God, have men that will, and women that will stand strong through tough times, that will not only look out for the interests of ourselves, but the interests of others and be a blessing to others. God, I thank you for this morning and what you're going to do through the power of the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says, Amen. Three points today. First, I want to look at the effects of battle. In our text, there's a battle going on, and three things happen when they go through their battles, and what and three things happen to us when we go through our battles. Number one, we grow faint. In our text, there's a battle after battle after battle. Verse 15, and the Philistines were at war again with Israel. We know that they've always been at war with the Philistines. Verse 18, now it happened after that that there was again a battle with the Philistines at God. Verse 19, again, there was war with the Philistines. Verse 19, yet again, there was war at Gath. And this is battle after battle after battle after battle. And many times we can face one or two battles. But at times in life where there's battle after battle after battle after battle. And this is what David's in. We all know David defeated the giant Goliath and we all know that story. But many people don't know this story how later on in life he's still facing giants. Because giants have children. My problems have problems. This is the, the giant having more giant children. And not only did Goliath go after David, he defeated him, but he had more children. And they're going after Goliath. And David was 15 years old when he defeated Goliath. And we're like, yeah, praise God, he's 15 years old, mighty man of God. But he's sick, now he's in his mid-60s or 70s, and he's still fighting giants. Still fighting, still in the battle. And so that tells us that there is no point in your Christian maturity where you stop fighting. It started when you're 15... If you got saved at 15, praise God. When you're 65, you're going to be still defeating these ugly, big-headed giants in your life. They, my problems have problems. And then you're, you're defeating different problems. And, but just like that, many times, we grow faint. Like David. He was exhausted. He's tired. He's not at peak performance. And even David, the mighty warrior David, the, the, the man after God's own heart, he got weak. He got tired. He got faint. He got exhausted. And he's been battling these Philistines his whole stinking life. And I'm sure he's over the Philistines. But now there's another giant. He defeated Goliath. But now he's trying to defeat Ishbi Benob, which means he that predicts. And what this giant predicted is that he will kill David. It says in verse 18, that he had a bronze spear and a new sword. He had this new sword because he thought he was going to kill David with a new sword. And it says he thought... He could kill David. And can I just say, he's predicting David's death, but his prediction was probably right. If, have you ever seen a giant punching on with a 70-year-old? It's probably not going to win the battle. And in life, you're going to face some giants that they predict they're going to take you out. It's going to be some battles that you face. Have you had a battle and said, I can't do this. It's over for me. This is too much for me. I can't handle this. We've all used the I can't handle this line. But if you're feeling faint in the battle this morning, good news, you're in good company. Because David's a pretty solid guy to be in company with. Moses grew tired. His arms grew tired. And then they started losing the battle. Paul grew tired. Jesus got tired. And so if you're feeling tired from the battle this morning, it doesn't mean you're abnormal. It means you're normal. But it means there is hope for you. So the effects of the battle, number one, is that you feel faint. 
feel like giving up. Number two, the second thing that happens in battle is that you feel lonely or you get lonely. No doubt David was lonely through this battle. Verse 15, and the Philistines were at war again with Israel. And David and his servants went with him and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. Yes, he has his army with him, but he was fighting this battle alone. He's all by himself. And listen, the devil wants you to face your battles alone. He wants you to be quiet, not tell anyone else about what you're going through, and you just face it in silence. And that's the devil's strategy. The devil wants to put in your mind that you are the only person going through this. That no one in the history of the 6,000 years of our planet and the 7 billion people are going through what you're going through. And yours is too hard for anyone to fix. And loneliness creeps in our mind. Listen, loneliness is very, very real. And you could be in a church here this morning. Maybe you're here in church this morning and you feel lonely. You could be sitting next to someone and you feel lonely. Loneliness is part of life. You feel like quitting. You feel like pulling back or surrendering. And note here, David is their king. Yet David is battling alone. And this is one lesson. This is why we need to pray for our leaders. And that's why you need to pray for Pastor Scott and Pastor Elliot, Pastor Payne and Pastor Mitchell. Because leaders, they lead at the front. They're not with the pack. And at the front, it's very lonely because there's, there's no pack. And many times, that's where the battle is the hottest. And David's facing the hottest battle and he has to face it all alone. Sometimes we face battles alone uh, because that's just how the circumstance came. But sometimes, if we're honest, we choose to fight alone, don't we? We choose, we know there's help over there, but in our own pride, all the men say amen, we like to do it ourselves. Men never ask for help. Women ask for help every two seconds. Guys, it's like, I'm all good, I'm a man, right? Which means you need a lot of help, right? If that's, that's man in the Greek means need a lot of help. That's why God gave you a helper. Praise the Lord. But listen, you will never defeat all your battles alone. Never. Who in history has ever done everything in their life alone? And whoever says they did it alone, it doesn't work that way. They, they de- definitely didn't, didn't do it. I said to the men uh, the, at the men's discipleship, Frank Sinatra's got his song, I did it my way. Yeah, well the first line of that song is, now the end has come. And when you do it your way, the end comes very, very quickly. And so don't, don't be alone. Don't choose to be alone. No one gets to the end goal alone. Just recently you might have heard the news that there's a man who just finished, who just ran the two-hour uh, ran a marathon in under two hours. He just broke the record. Um, I'm not even going to try and say his name. But this guy, believe me, it happened. I've got a photo here of this guy. Uh, of he crosses the finish line. And he ran this, this marathon in two hours, uh, one hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. And he's crossing the finish line. But does he cross the finish line alone? Absolutely not. He's got this whole bunch of people behind him. And so what these two, four, six, seven people did there, and they actually rotated throughout the whole race, is that they set a pace for him. Took the wind resistance for him. And so they'd run a few miles, they'll make sure the pace is right, and then they'll swap out and somebody else will come in. So he wouldn't have much resistance, he'll have encouragement, and he wouldn't get tired. Everyone around him was fresh. And the only reason he, he was able to do this feat, which was thought to be impossible, the only reason he finished that race out in front and did it in record time, is because all those men behind him. And listen, one day we're going to run through the banner in heaven. But we're not going to be running alone. And if you're going to finish the race, you're going to win this battle, you're going to have a lot of people behind you cheering you on and keeping you going. You will not run through the marathon of life victorious if you choose to do it alone. Remember that. You will not run through the marathon of life victorious if you do it alone. There's a re- reason we are called sheep, not goats. The Bible calls Christians 
sheep because sheep stick together and they need each other. Goats go off and do their own random stuff. They all by themselves. But we need to come together. Don't, and listen, you, you're going to feel lonely. But you need to call on help. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he says, please come before winter. That's such a heartbreaking scripture. He goes, because he's broken and he's so alone in the prison. And he's like, can you please come to me, please, before winter? Because I can't handle this, man. So the effects of battle, number one, you feel faint. Number two, you feel alone. The third thing that happens when you're in battle is that you become vulnerable. You become very, very vulnerable when you're in a battle. You can't just say the enemy knows you better than you know you. The enemy knows your weaknesses. He knows where you're at. Isaiah tells us that there are weapons formed or fashioned or made against us. That means specific weapons made specifically for you. Individually. And there's certain weapons he knows will get. He knows how to push your buttons. He knows how to make you crack. He knows what causes you the most pain. He knows when to get you on your last legs. He knows those areas that are soft, that are sensitive areas of our lives. You know, people can talk all this stuff about us and it wouldn't matter, but if they say one thing about that, it really breaks us, right? Because the devil knows and he's going to attack those areas. He's going to hit those areas really, really hard. Think about David here in our text. He's 65, 70 years old. 70-year-olds don't fight giants. Right? Can you imagine this? David's there and he's just getting beat up by this giant. And he's just laying into him, hitting him, punching him, throwing him around. And David, you know, it's, it's stupid to fight, a Goliath, to fight a giant one-on-one. When David defeated Goliath, he didn't fight him one-on-one. He, he grabbed a, a stone and threw it at him. It'd be stupid to go, okay, one-on-one fighting with this guy who's twice your height. But here is David. There's a guy a third of his age, probably twice his height, and he's getting beat up. David can't attack anymore. David's an old man. He's vulnerable now. He doesn't have his sling and his stone. Maybe he's probably, I'm just reading into him, maybe he's got an arm, maybe his arm's got an injury from throwing the stone for so many years. Maybe he can't fight back and all he's doing is just getting beat up and he's just trying to protect himself by blow after blow after blow and and now the giant thinks he's going to kill him. Listen, the devil never fights fair. It's pretty unfair to face a giant against a seven-year-old. But the, the devil never fights fair. He attacked Jesus with bread after fasting for 40 days, right? attack him after fasting for 40 minutes, right? But he doesn't do that. He waits till you're at your weakest. Then he'll attack those areas. Then he'll start punching you in those areas. When you grow faint, then you're alone, then you're most vulnerable to these attacks. And these are the, the, the problems, and these are the effects of battle. So let's look secondly at the encouragement of brothers. I would have said brothers and sisters, but it doesn't match the, um, the E and the B, where everything starts with E and B. So sorry, ladies, that's just how it is, okay? So in our text, David is maybe seconds or minutes away from death. He has no strength, he has no power, he has, definitely has no momentum like we talked about on Wednesday. He's got nothing left to give. But praise God that his friends come to his aid. It says in our text, he thought he could kill David, but Abishai, the son of Zer- uh, Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. The battle changes when David's friend comes to his aid. This church. When you have no strength to fight anymore, God will protect you with the strength of others. When you have no strength to face the battle anymore, when you, when you feel like the devil's punching your head in, slamming it against a rock, God will protect you with the strength of others. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 is a very famous scripture. 
Bible says here two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor for if they fall one will lift up his companion but woe to him is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up woe means trouble or distress or or um or sorrow he says you're in big trouble if you don't have a friend there and it's he says when you fall not if you fall <laughs> because we're all going to fall and we're going to fall multiple times the bible says a righteous man falls seven times and sometimes we fall because of our own mistakes or because the enemy trips us up but don't be alone when you fall over because if you're alone you won't get back up again it says verse 11 if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one be warm alone how how could we stay warm in this very cold world that we live in by ourselves? If they fall, one will lift up his companion. Sorry, verse 12. Though one might be overpowered by another, like the giant's going to overpower David, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. By ourselves, we'll be overpowered. But together, church, we won't be overpowered. We can withstand every attack that comes your way. And instead of feeling like quitting, you'll have brothers there that will say, no, keep going and I'll fight this battle for you and I'll, I'll press in in prayer with you and I'll be there for you and I'll be an encouragement for you. In 2 Samuel 5, David just becomes king. And in verse 17, when the Philistines heard that they have anointed David king over Israel, they threw a party. No, they, they went and they went in search for David. And of it and said, I can do it all by myself. No, he didn't say that. He went to the stronghold. He went to where all of his brothers were. He went and spent time with his friends. He went and protected himself with his friends. When the enemy comes to attack you, spend time with your friends. That You're safe in the stronghold. Don't try and do it. Don't try and fight every battle yourself. I know we love David and Goliath. Like, I just need to face the giant all by myself. That happened once. Right? But if you're going to survive long term, there's some battles, yeah, you need to face by yourself. But there's a lot of battles that we face together. And that's why the devil wants to separate us, because he knows when we're separated, it's the term um, divide and conquer. That means because when we're divided, we will be conquered. But when we're united, we can overcome anything that comes our way. Our way. John 11, we know the beautiful story of Lazarus' resurrection. And in, he, again, he didn't do it by himself. I was listening to a Pastor Warner sermon recently. Broke my heart. Pastor Warner's in a wheelchair. And he's talking this sermon on suicide. And I might show it one Sunday night. Uh, and he spoke about, there's a song, you know, and I ran out of that grave. And it's like, yeah, it's a, such a pumped up song. And he's like, but that's not true. <laughs> it was pretty funny. He's like, no one runs out of the grave. And he's sitting in his wheelchair. He goes, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could show you what it would have looked like for this man to get out of the grave. Because when Lazarus got out of, the break, out of the grave, he was still bound in all of his, all the, 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 um, the, the wrappings. And all the bandages were still wrapped around him. He didn't get out by himself. Maybe you feel like you're in the moment, you're like Lazarus, you're in, you're in Death Valley. The way to get out is not by just running out yourself. It's by getting your brothers and your sisters there to help you through it. Look at John 11, 43 to 44. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, this is Jesus speaking, Lazarus, come forth. And, we had, and I love this. And he who had died came out. That's so cool. That's a funny line. He who died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. What a disgusting sight. This guy wrapped up like, it's just weird and scary. But he didn't run out of the grave. Jesus said to them, loose him, let him go. Lazarus didn't do it by himself. He had resurrection power, but he still needed help. So don't be the whole, oh, I've got Jesus, I don't need no one. Well, I didn't see that in the Bible. We need each other. And we need to unite together. 
So David had four men come to his aid, and let's break these four men down. Number, f- number one, he had Abishai. And the word Abishai, the name Abishai means a gift. A gift. This is David's nephew. This is son of his sister. His sister's name is Zeruiah. Zer- Zer- a weird name again, but whatever works. And he's definitely a gift. Helped him so many occasions. It was in, in 1 Samuel 26, he, uh, David goes in to penetrate Saul's um, camp, but he needs some help getting there, and Abishai is there with him. And he fights for David. And he's definitely a gift. He's loyal, he's courageous, he's strong. How many of you are grateful for the people that you have in your life that are a gift from God? God gives us, gives us with people. They help us through so much, right? We just have some friends to get us through. Number two, the second person that came was in his name, Sibekai. And this means the Lord intervenes or entangles. I love this. Because we don't know much about this guy. There's not much is said about him. But God will send people into your life that will entangle themselves with you, which is actually God entangling himself into your life, and that will help you fight your battles. The Bible says before, threefold cord is not easily broken. Why? Not because they're three by themselves, because it's you, your friend, and the Holy Ghost. And they're intertwined. And when you intertwine this cable, this, this rope, it's not easily broken. And you will not be easily broken when you have someone that, that intertwines their life with you and with God. I believe with all my heart, God brings people into our lives just so He can work on our behalf. So He can help us. I know personally that I'm closer to God because some of my friends. They've helped me develop my Christianity. And many times we cry out, God, help me. And the answer to that prayer is God sends you a person. God sends you a friend. God sends you someone in church. How many testimonies do we hear? I was going through a tough time. I was struggling. Things were happening. I didn't know if I could make it. And then a friend called. A friend came by. A friend checked up on me. Someone invited me out. They came to visit. And everything changed. You think that friend did it just by themselves? Or do you think that's the divine hand of God entangling himself into your life? This is why we need friends so God can, God can move. We need friends that will get us through a rough time. Friends that help us laugh when we want to cry, right? Got those friends? If, yeah. Friend who strengthens and encourages us. And that friend is probably sent by God himself. So don't give up on your friends. Entangled by God. The third person is Elhanan, which means God has been gracious and merciful. Again, he's only mentioned here in our text, and God is so gracious to give us some people to get us through, <laughs> just to help us through. The word grace, we, we always think of unmerited favor, and that's true, but it also just means a spiritual empowerment, a boost of momentum, strength. There's many times that we're powerless, and we need friends to get us through, to give us a bit of strength, that they won't leave us alone. You know, in, in Matthew 27, this is where Jesus is carrying his cross up to Calvary. Jesus is very weak at this point. He's been up all night. He's been whipped, beaten, everything. And now he's to carry his cross. And he can't carry his cross by himself. So the Bible says that they ordered Simon, a Syrian guy, to come and carry the Cyrene, to carry the cross for Jesus up the hill. What a powerful picture. That here is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, doing the will of his Father, Yet, he needs someone to help him to carry his cross. 
Some of you this morning, you're trying to carry the cross all by yourself. Jesus didn't carry it by himself. So for heaven's sakes, let your brothers help you. Let your sisters be there for you and carry for you. Don't think, oh, I have to do this, I'm strong enough. And No, that's what the devil says. But God will be merciful to you and gracious to you by giving you people that will help you make it. Jesus wouldn't have made it up the hill. You don't have to bear all the weight by yourself. God is merciful. He'll let your brothers take a bit of the weight. Isn't it good when everyone gets together and they help each other? It's, it's so much lighter. Our burdens are so much lighter when we're together. And the fourth guy, and this is the most important, a man by the name of Jonathan. Now this, this name, Jonathan, means the Lord gave. It's a beautiful name. And I thank for the Jonathans that God gives us in life to help strengthen, support, and defend us. Now this wasn't Jonathan Saul's son. This was one of David's nephews. But the man Jonathan that I want to look at more is Saul's son. And Saul wanted to kill John, uh, David. Now remember, Saul's the king. David's the, going to be the new king. Jonathan is heir to the king. He's heir to the throne. So he's, when Saul dies, he's going to be the king of Israel. That's a big statement. That's a big thing. That's like... I can't, it's like being the Prime Minister of, of America like, like the biggest, highest position in all the world he's, he's next in line for but because of his dad's mistakes the Bible says that, that God takes away I preached on this last Sunday night how he takes away the king from Saul and gives it to David now here's Jonathan in this position he's got a friend in David David's going to take his position what he deserves and Jonathan has no problem He actually helps David become king. Ah, this this is so cool, right? Because Jonathan could have been like some of us, like, hey, if you die, if I help my, my dad and you die, I'll be the next king. I'll get the riches and the glory and the fame. I'll be remembered forever. I'll be the second king of Israel. But every time that Saul wanted to kill David, Jonathan stood in. And he defended him. First Samuel 20 is... It's a heartbreaking chapter. Like when you actually read it, like it actually happened, <laughs> it's heartbreaking. So here's Saul and, I mean, David and Jonathan, they meet together. And David's like, dude, your dad wants to kill me. And Jonathan says, no, 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 he doesn't. He'll tell me. And David says, listen, let's make a plan. I won't be at the table for the next couple of days. And when Saul notices I'm not there, if he's angry, he wants to kill me. But if he doesn't mind, then I know he doesn't want to kill me. So he goes. David's missing. And Saul notices the first day, doesn't say anything. Jonathan's thinking, oh, awesome. He doesn't want to kill my friend, my best friend. But the second day, Saul goes, where's, where's David? And he says, oh, he's away visiting some family. And Saul gets angry. And Jonathan, no, that's it. He wants to kill my, my best friend. And Jonathan's trying to protect Saul. What has he done to you? Why are you so angry with him? Saul, Jonathan's father, grabs the spear and throws it at Jonathan. We all know that he threw it at David, but he throws it at Jonathan. Jonathan, at any point, could have said, no, nah, who cares? Kill the guy. It's not my problem. But Jonathan put himself in harm's way. there for Aren't you grateful for some of the people that put themselves in hard's way for us? That step in for us. That take a few of the, the blows for us. And then they go, and at the end of the chapter is so sad. They meet each other, and Jonathan comes. You, you can't come back to the kingdom. You have to be on the run now. And they're crying, and they're weeping together. Because they love each other. Like their own soul, the Bible says. I have a question for you. Do you have someone that you can weep with? Do you have a Jonathan in your life that you can weep in front of them and they won't take photos and post it online? They won't talk rubbish about you, but 
that weep with you? Do you have friends that that when you're going through the t- toughest times that they're, they're there with you and you can be vulnerable to them? So many times we're trying to be people that we're not, right? The best friend in the world is one who imitates Christ. And that's exactly what Jonathan did. He sacrificed his future, his desires for his friend. And when we have encouragement from our brothers, we can make it, church. So let's close real quickly with the eyes for the burdened. One thing I noticed in our text is that David never asked for help. David never asked for help. He's getting beat up by this giant and he never cries out for help. I don't know. It's probably a guy thing. I don't know. Getting smashed by this giant and he's 70 years old. I can still do it. You know, I don't know what he's thinking. But he doesn't, doesn't cry for help. So how did he get help? How did Abishai come in if he never asked for help? Well, maybe Abishai was just in his battle, fighting his battle, defeating, he's a young man, defeating all these giants. And then he says, notices, he's like, he's defeating one guy. He's like, have you guys seen David recently? I haven't seen him. No, I haven't seen him too. And he just ducks his head and the arrow comes flying through. He's like, I'm pretty sure he's around somewhere. You know? They go and they're looking for David and they finally, they, he's battling and killing people at the same time. And then he finally see, and he sees David just in the corner. And he's just about, the giant's got his fist or his sword and he's just about to stab David. David's got nothing left. And then he runs over, reaches out, and kills this giant. And David's sitting there just, and he's thinking it's going to be the giant, but the giant probably falls on him, he's dead. You know, Your mind can go into the crazy places in this battle, right? But this was all because Abishai had eyes for those who were burdened. Imagine if Abishai was too busy fighting his battle that he didn't look out for David. David will be dead. That will be the end of David's reign. In life, church, you need to have eyes, not only for your own battles, and praise God you do that, but you need to look out for people who aren't asking for help. And you should ask for help. I'm, you know, I'm trying to preach that as much as I can. But some people don't ask for help. That doesn't mean we shouldn't help them. When you, we need to have eyes that see what they're going through and just reach out. And don't be that person here who thinks, yeah, I wish more people could see what I'm going through. Well, how about you see what other people are going through and help them in their battle so they don't die. You know, Moses, when his arms grew weak, he didn't ask Aaron and her to lift up his arms. They just came. Exodus seventeen twelve. And Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until they to the going down of the sun. Aaron and her looked at their, their, their friend or their leader in Moses said, his arms are getting sore. He can't do this by himself. I need to step in, be a blessing. Abishai saw his leaders getting hurt. I need to step in. I need to do something. And as Christians, we need to have eyes for our friends if they're burdened or broken or bruised and reach out and help our friends. And don't wait for them to cry out. You should cry out. I encourage you, when you're going through trouble, reach out. Don't do it alone. But those that are struggling, reach out to them. Go help fight the battle. Galatians 6.2 Help carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will follow Christ's teachings. We have to carry each other's burdens. Help fight with each other. 
help battle this, these giants in life together. What I'm really talking about tonight, today is compassion. Compassion is feeling what the other person is feeling without the other person telling you what they're feeling. It's putting yourself in their shoes. How would they respond? How would they feel? Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Probably, you know, I've touched on this text before, but it's easier... It's, it's easier to weep with those who weep, actually. Because sometimes when people rejoice, we weep. You know, it's like, sometimes we're so competitive with people. But when people are struggling, be with them. Help them. Don't go all mechanical on us. Don't turn all robot. Oh, they need to do this, and they need to do that. They, yeah, whatever. They're not. They're getting some giants thrown their way. So be there to help. Lean on your friends. There's no superheroes in the kingdom. We all need each other. And if we would just lean on each other so much more, man, so many people won't die spiritually. How many people have died spiritually because they tried facing their battles by themselves, right? I can handle it. I've got this. I'm all good. And then by the month, then they're getting pounded by this giant and they're turning around and they won't cry for help. So be a be a blessing. Be compassionate. And can I just say, I didn't have this in my notes, but I should probably say it, but if you're getting attacked by some giants today, probably because you're in the right battle. It's probably because the devil doesn't kick a dead dog. And when you're doing something for God, there's going to be some fights. So take that as, that as, as encouragement that, you know what, yeah, the devil's after me. It's because I'm doing something strong for God. And I'm going to get through this. And God's going to help me and my friends are going to help me and we're going to get through. Jesus needed strength from his friends. Lazarus, Moses, David, Paul. All these men needed it. Because great people need great people. I'll leave you with this quote of what a friend is. It says, A friend is a pair of open arms in a society of armless people. Society is very armless. They have no time for people who need help. You just need to face your problems by yourself. And don't do the Christian, the fake Christian help either. Hey, I'll pray for you. No, we don't need you to pray for me. Go weep with them. Go put your arm around them. Go love them. Go check on them when they don't ask for help. And you'll be surprised how much a little help goes. How many here you've gone through a tough time and somebody helped you just by doing something small? You raise your hand. Raise it up nice and nice so I could see. Someone helped you. Someone was there for you, right? And if we would only do that same, we'll be a much stronger people, stronger church, and we'll get through our battles together. Amen. Let's bow, bow our heads and close our eyes all through this place.